Welcome back to the Sim Geeks Podcast. We are your hosts, William Belk and David Schablock. Today, we're going to jump into a topic that we both have been nerds for for quite some time now, and that is life casting. Uh, and so we will kind of go through what it is, why you need to know about it, how it applies to us in simulation, and then how to get started if you, ha- if you don't have a background in it. Now, before we get into that, David, it's, uh, it's been way too long since we've put out an episode. So what have you been up to? Uh, I've been up to everything. I mean, we, we've taught three courses for one conference, three, two courses for another. I went up to Parkview Medical. I taught a really cool moulage course up there. I did uh, a two-day course for the Dayton uh, VA, their sim center. Uh, they asked me back again, so that was nice. Um, and then trying to build this garage in, in the time of COVID where everything takes three times as long and costs three times as much. Yeah, we uh, we definitely stretched ourselves out there for a little while with all the conference talks and everything going on. And, that, and all of them, of course, fell at like one time, multiple conferences within a matter of two to three weeks. Uh, and so I, I did not want to look at a microphone or a camera for a long, long damn time after that. And so we're, we're coming around now, um, made a few changes. I've, I've shifted positions still with the same company. And so that'll kind of give me a little bit more freedom, if you will, to focus on some of the things we've talked about in the past. Uh, Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Namely looking right now, we've been doing some planning for an escape room, which we're gonna do an episode on at some point in the near future, as well as Mm -hmm. kind of breaking into that VR market and playing around with uh, implementing VR and simulation. Uh, And so a lot of a lot of projects coming up on the work side of things that are, of course, going to cross over into what we're doing here as we get more information on them. Going to have a few of our guests back for some uh, special uh, um, topics that we're going to tackle and uh, add some more our guests as well, but we're also wanting to just get back to some of our Just Me and You uh, episodes as well. So trying to kind of reboot and get back on the horse. And All right. So let's talk about life casting. So first things first, you know, what the hell is it? And, and I think the easiest way to describe it is uh, life casting is basically casting and molding like you would for any other object, except for the item that you're casting or molding is alive, hence the life casting piece. So for us, usually it's going to be a human model. Uh, occasionally it could be an animal. I know that's been used, but for medical simulation, our primary focus of course is people uh, and basically creating task trainers and or uh, anatomical models that we're going to use for teaching anatomy by casting those exact body parts and then molding them into something. What do you got, David? I was going to say, and that's my thing is it's not just life casting because life casting, people tend to think about movies and that sort of thing. This is life casting for healthcare sim. And, you know, you mentioned life casting real people, but I actually have done a lot of life casting of parts, life casting of, uh, you know, starting with a trainer for personal use for one lab's use or something like that. uh, And then going there. And the reason is sculpting, unless you do it a lot, is not easy, especially to get, you know, really good detail, really good organic shapes. And, uh, you know, it's better to start with something that is real. There's nothing more real than real. So that's what got me into life casting. I'm not an awesome sculptor. I enjoy it. I love it, but it doesn't mean I'm good at it. So I got into, you know, doing the life casting to be able to, you know, have a base to start off of. And then I modify from there. So that's how I did it. What, what did you, what got you to life casting? Yeah, similar. So the only thing I would kind of clarify on that is anytime we're casting a, a part that already exists, I just kind of consider that casting and molding, right? And I kind of reserve mm, yeah. that life casting for something that is breathing. Uh, or, or was breathing at some point, if you happen to work in those, in those settings. Um, but you know, for me, it was, it's 
creating parts for, for what we're gonna use in simulation. So usually task trainers, right? Something that we're gonna use for IVs or we're gonna use in another, in another setting. Uh, we've done a few things with those classes. We actually taught live casting for SimGhost this year and ran through a bunch of videos uh, where we talked a lot about creating anatomical models. And so if I'm going to teach anatomy of a hand or anatomy of a face or even a heart, I don't necessarily have to have it be flexible and workable in order to go through and show you where the arteries are at or you know where the veins are, uh, the different digits, if you will. And, and so in those settings, I don't mind, you know, making kind of a rigid cast. Whereas if I'm looking at task trainers, uh, if I'm going to start IVs on it, I need to be able to find a way to lay veins into it or at least have the veins visible from the outside surface. Uh, and that is more, that's where silicones kind of come into play. And I know we've done an episode on silicones before, and we will talk about silicones a lot as we go through. Uh, but basically just identifying what are my needs first? What am I going to do with it? How am I going to use it? And that'll help me kind of decide, A, is it worth casting at all, right? Can I just buy it? Uh, and if I can, is it gonna be cheaper and easier to do that, for, especially for mannequin parts? Or uh, if it's going to be, if it's gonna be cost effective and it's gonna be something that's gonna work, what are the materials I need in order to meet my learning objectives and, and kind of move on from that? So we're gonna talk about, uh, you know, where to start with live casting and that sort of thing. Um, the biggest thing is I always like to talk about is, uh, you know, safety never takes a vacation. Uh, anybody that follows me, uh, we, we like to talk about that. Uh, there are the right ways and there are the wrong ways of doing life casting, especially if you were talking about uh, dealing with real people. Uh, you know, things, and you want to, you know, learn this stuff from a reputable source. Uh, don't stick straws up people's noses. There's so many reasons why from it'll distort the shape of the nose to somebody's going to trip and you're going to jam that into somebody's nose and you're going to cause injury. Uh, don't put plaster directly against someone's skin. Use, you know, good materials from legit sources. Uh, you want to know because, you know, you're, that person is putting their trust and their hands, their face, their eyes, their ears, whatever it is in your care. And you being the person that's putting it on there, it's up to you. Don't hurt your models. So, uh, you know, safety is key. Make sure you're doing a lot of research in that. What materials you can put against what, what will work with what, and what could actually cause harm. You can go on YouTube and Google, uh, you know, life casting, and there are people telling you you can life cast with plaster of Paris against somebody's skin. Then the rest of the videos will say, dear God, don't do that. It will burn their skin. It will bond their skin. It will permanently disfigure them don't do it. So make sure you know what you're doing and, you know, approach it very, very safely. The other thing is if you get a life cast that is going to have somebody's head into a life cast or somebody's face, or actually, even if it's somebody's finger, the minute they say, no, I'm done, you can't fight with that. That is your model. You have to be okay with throwing all of it away and getting that person out of whatever you're life casting them with. Uh, there's, there's no, I'm sorry's. There's no, you know, well, can't you just, no, and the minute they say they're done, and they're out of it. You have to be like, okay, and get them out of it because psychological safety, as we talk in sim is super important. So you have to respect that with people. And we talked about that a lot in our formal classes too, right? It's just knowing, you know, they, anyone that we're working on has the right to tap out at any time. We're using them as a model. And the way I see it, they're doing us a favor, whether they're being paid or not, they're there to help us out. And that 
kind of back out moment of, Hey, we're going to help you out. We're going to take all this stuff off. It's going to take a couple seconds to do so, but just keep them calm. That moment means a lot more to them as far as being able to get them back to help you in the future than just being like, Nope, sorry, we've only got another 15 minutes. So just hang on. Like that's not the answer when somebody's starting to panic or be, you know, claustrophobic. Uh, so, so what are we talking about as far as, as life casting and how we're going to use it? How do we get started? And, and my personal opinion is anytime you're starting out, you don't have a lot of you know, background in it or you're trying to learn something, alginate's probably the safest material to start with. It's cheap, it's easy to obtain, uh, and the only downfall to it, of course, is it's temporary. You're only going to get one mold out of it, maybe two if you're amazingly lucky, but any detail at all, you're going to rip it apart in order to get the piece out. Uh, and so what exactly is it? And basically, it, alginate, as the name implies, everyone wants to kind of think algae, it's, it's basically a chemical compound that comes from seaweed. Uh, and when it is allowed to mix with water as a dry powder, and then insert whatever item that you're going to be casting into it, and it slowly solidifies over somewhere around five to eight minutes, the warmer it is, the warmer the water, the faster it'll set. Uh, and actually, just about every one of us has an experience with alginate, whether we realize it or not. <laughs> And that is, it is the absolutely disgusting shit that the dentist puts in your mouth to take a cast of your teeth that has kind of that bad minty taste flavor to it. Uh, and that's what this is. They put it in the mold. They stick this you know, in the tray, if you will. They have you bite down into it and sit there for three or four minutes trying to breathe through your nose. And that is most of the time, that's what's called dental alginate. It's just a flavored alginate. Totally true on everything you just said, but I laughed because I thought you were going through everybody that's ever mixed alginate has totally been taken surprise by how quickly it solidifies. You're never ready, and you're always going, when you have, you're not an expert, you're going, damn it, damn it, damn it. So that's what I was laughing about. But yes, you're right. Totally what everybody's had in their mouths, well, should be. And you bring that up. When I was filming the videos for the SimGhost lecture, so you guys know everything went virtual this year due to COVID, uh, so we had to pre-record everything. And when I was filming the videos, I had poured the water, I had it set in my garage, everything was set out and ready to go. Well, it was hotter than hell because it was July. Uh, and by the time I mixed the water, it had actually warmed up. So I mixed the water, mixed the alginate, and went to pour it into the bucket I was going to cast my hand in. And I couldn't even pour it because it already solidified. Now, the nice thing with it is it basically just comes out clean out of the bucket and you throw it away, similar to working with silicone. Um, but I, of course, had to toss, you know, probably, I don't know, probably a good 20, 30 bucks worth of material to start over again. Uh, and it might have been a little bit cheaper than that, but it was, it was a significant amount that I had, had thrown in there, uh, more than I needed, just because I was afraid if I undermixed it, of course, I'd have to reshoot the video. So I intentionally, I'd rather waste it. Uh, and, and I did. I ended up wasting it all because I had to start all over again, get water again, make sure the water didn't have a chance to heat up. Uh, and I want to say that the, kind of that perfect working temperature is right around room temp. So if you're in a house, it's probably not going to be a big deal. Of course, it can make a bigger mess. Um, but knowing that if the water's too cold, you're going to be stuck there for a long time and you're more likely to move, which means the cast is going to be blurry, right? Uh, if you're working with too hot, you're not even going to get to the point that you actually have a chance to put the body part into it or apply it because it's just going to turn into a brick. Uh, and, it, and it turns into like this rubber kind of purple material. Most of them have a bit of a purple tint to it. So... Uh, and that's kind of the initial, get alginate, get used to working with it, try a few different things. And there are so many suppliers. So we talk about alginates. Uh, I've got stuff here from Brick in the Yard. I've got a bunch of it. And I think that actually came from Monster Makers, didn't it, David? The one that Brick in the Yard sells, isn't that Monster Makers out of Cleveland? Uh, I know they're dental alginates. They're, the other thing is that there's a lot of different styles and types of alginate. Yep. And a lot of it comes down to uh, which ones have silica in it and which ones don't or some of the other um, makeups, you know, or materials in there. 
So that's like SmoothOn has algae safe, brick in the yard. I can't remember what they call it, but they have a basically they have less fillers, less of the silica in there. And the real thing with the silica is when you're mixing this, it's a powder and you want to make sure that you're not breathing those things in. Um, you know, alginate seaweed, it's fairly benign, but still any powder that's going to go, you know, solidify, you don't want to breathe it in. But the big thing is they don't want you to have that silica. So again, that's when we talk about the safety, where you're buying it from and what the makeup and the material is. And there's different types. So there's dental alginates that you can stick in somebody's mouth. And then there's everything else that you don't or you shouldn't. And there's a really good example of this. So we try to be fair and, and mention as many people as we can in this, right? We, I've, I've used them for a few different companies. AccuCast, if you go to their alginate page, there yep. is like 40, and maybe I'm exaggerating, maybe it's 20 different types of alginate that they tell you, hey, use this for face, use this for mouth, use this for when you're working with children because it sets faster and you know, they're less likely to move. Uh, and so just knowing that they're all pretty much the same thing. They, it, but just there are different ways that can be mixed in order to benefit you a little bit better. And that's what I like about the, the, monster, the monster Maker stuff that I get. It tells you, hey, if you're working in this setting or these temperatures, this is going to be your new guidelines, if you will, how long it's going to take, how quickly you should use it. Uh, and you can adjust that. If you use two to one for water, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be thicker or sorry, two to one water is going to be thinner. If you use one to one, it's going to be a bit thicker. Uh, and so just knowing that you can, you can definitely play with alginate, but you only have about five to eight minutes in the perfect conditions. If it's hot water, you have a hell of a lot less time than that. And the biggest thing with alginate that drives me crazy, and it's, it's not a big deal, but I always forget about it until I pull my hand out, I cast something is the, the, the quickness that you're working with it usually means you're going to entrap more bubbles. You're going to get more distortions or more air bubbles on the surface of your cast. And you're going to get beautiful detail, but it's something you got to work with later. So that's why a lot of people don't, um, if you're doing a larger item like a face or a hand, you don't want to necessarily cast your silicone directly in that. Or if you do realize you're probably going to get some air bubbles that you're going to have to trim those off later and maybe patch. And so what he's talking about is once we get the alginate, we, once we've pulled our hand out, our face out, et cetera, we're going to have this cast. And in order to do something with it, we, we have to pour another material into it to get a positive. So think about negatives and positive. If I take a positive hand and I stick it in a bucket, I'm going to be left with a hollow space the shape of my hand. Now I'm going to take something else, be it plaster or silicone, and I'm going to pour it into that now hollow shape of a hand, let it set up, and then I'm going to tear the alginate away very carefully uh, and be left with a, an exact replica of whatever I casted. So if that's a hand, I now have an exact replica of the hand, including all the finite details, fingerprints, fingernails, all of that stuff is going to be there. Um, unless we've screwed it up. <laughs> and what's amazing is you're going to have that, but you can actually get around a lot of hair. Um, so I've cast in both silicone and alginate. And if you massage it in, like if you have a goatee or chin fur, uh, like I do, you know, goatee like Will does and chin fur like I do, you can actually um, get all the pore detail like the hair was never there. It's fascinating. So now the thing with alginate, we've already mentioned this, is you got to throw it away when you're done with it. It gets torn into little pieces and you're left with quite a mess, actually, and some leftover water. So while we're, let's go ahead and touch on that too. We don't get to make an alginate cast and then let it just sit around. We, we pretty much have to use it within 24 hours, preferably within four hours. If you don't, 
uh, the cast itself will start to shrink and the water will slowly leach back out of it and you'll be left with water in the fingertips if you're doing a hand, in the nose if you're doing a face. Uh, and so you need to make sure you use this relatively quickly. If we want something that we can use long-term over and over and over again, uh, that can just sit on a shelf and we can pull it out when we need it, silicone is gonna be a much better choice. You know, we've talked a lot about silicone uh, and there are specific silicones made for life casting. I think the one David and I probably are most familiar with is gonna be the body double and body double silk. Uh, the difference between those two is in body double, you're supposed to use a release cream to keep it from sticking to hair. Where alginate won't stick to hair, as David mentioned, uh, silicone will wax it right off. And so we want to make sure that we're using a release cream so it won't stick to the hair. Whereas in body double silk, it's actually built in. So again, we're talking specific brand names here. There are other options out there, but that's just to give you guys an example. Uh, and that'll peel off hopefully cleanly without requiring a, the release cream. And once you've layered, the nice thing with silicone you can't do with alginate is once you've put one layer down, you can go behind it and thicken that up by adding more and more layers. And so if you do use that body double silk, which is not inexpensive, uh, to lay that initial layer, you can follow behind that with other platinum silicones, lay it on top of it, it'll bind together, and then you are left with a thicker cast. And I think, David, you've, got, you've actually got a cast. I think you used one of our classes that you did that, didn't you? Yeah, I used uh, my wife's leg, and that brings the safety back up because um, in uh, casting my wife's leg, I also ended up... Um, allowing her to move her own leg, but she, it had all the weight of the casting materials on it and uh, weight that she's not used to. She actually pulled a tendon uh, or pulled something in her knee when she moved her own leg. So as you're, you're building up more weight onto the appendages of people that they're not used to, their thought is it takes this amount of energy to move that and uh, they can actually damage themselves internally with that. But um, to what you were saying, the greatest thing I like about silicone is you, you can use those small batches. You can massage those small batches onto the surface. Therefore, you're getting a lot less entrapped bubbles, and you can get a lot greater detail. And that's one of my favorite things. Long shelf life, but also that air bubble thing, it, it not perfectly negates, but you can definitely get a lot less. So the, the difference here, the main, there's two big differences. Alginate is temporary and gets thrown away after one use is kind of the general answer. Uh, where silicone is much more durable, can be used over and over again, lasts longer. Uh, however, it also comes with a significant price increase. Uh, and so when we're talking about something like a hand or a face, this could be the difference between uh, a couple dollars worth of material versus 20 to $30. And when we start talking about whole bodies, uh, even a torso in silicone, we could be upwards of six, $700 in material and, and in silicone. In alginate, it'd be a hell of a lot cheaper than that. And you've done a torso as well in alginate, I know of your wife. So since we're already talking about yep. that, what, how much material are you talking about there? Maybe 70 bucks? Uh, it was probably more than that. I mean, because you have to have the plaster bandage to back it up and things like that. So I honestly, it's been years enough ago. And that was actually our, one of our very, very first life casts. So I learned a whole lot of lessons on, on how difficult things can be. So don't start big like that. Start small because you'll end up just wasting money and, and we'd get a lot of distortions and things like that. But yeah, I mean, it was for the alginate was probably 50 bucks, maybe less than that. And then we had our plaster bandage that we actually, because it was expired, had it around. So some dowels, things like that. 
So you actually have segued me unintentionally into the next topic, which is, so when I was talking material cost, we're only talking the actual casting material. Uh, The other thing is the larger the item that we're trying to cast, be it face, torso, whole body, leg, et cetera, we now need to support that cast. If we just did it in silicone, or if we just did it in silicone and then took the silicone off the leg, it's going to collapse like an empty balloon on the table. Uh, And so we need to be able to, Uh, provide some kind of support. And the way that we do that is we use plaster bandages, just like you would use for like paper mache, the idea that you're putting something wet that's soft and flexible on. And then as it dries, uh, it then turns into a rigid shell. Uh, And this is kind of where I can, I can pull in. Most people have some kind of experience with life casting. We talked about the dental alginate already, uh, but most of us at least are understand or have heard of the concept of a belly cast. This is very common with pregnant women. Uh, where basically spouse, sister, whoever, somebody comes along and uses plaster bandage uh, and a release cream to lay the plaster bandage over the patient. I say patient out of habit, but over the model over and over and over again uh, until we have a cast of the abdomen and the breast that stays rigid once it dries. So it's, you know, sits there on mom for a few seconds, dries out enough. Once it's completely dry, we gently lift it off mom and we set it aside. And now we have this cast that can be painted or hung on a wall or do whatever it is that you want to do with it. Uh, This is the same concept. The only thing is those plaster directly on skin situations do not provide the detail that we need in order to create a, you know, realistic task trainer. It really is more of a piece of art than it is an actual uh, model. So what we're going to do is we're going to cast an alginate and or silicone. And then over the alginate or silicone is where we're going to lay that plaster cast so that we catch every single detail of the skin. And in the example of a pregnant patient, we're talking about uh, all the pores in the skin, the belly button, the nipples, everything gets caught up in that cast that you may miss out completely if you just use the plaster. And then we support it with the plaster bandage so that when we take it off the patient, it doesn't just flop down as this soft silicone sheet. It actually is being held rigid in place by that. Uh, And the the larger it gets, the more detailed you get. So maybe it's okay just to make a plaster shell Maybe that plaster shell needs to have some, some uh, dowels placed in it so that we have handles to pick it up from rather than picking up plaster and hoping that it's not going to break. And there is, it just gets more and more complex as we go. Uh, and so talking is the absolute basics, just knowing if we're talking small body, body part, yes, it's going to waste some material, something like a hand, a foot. It's easier to use a small bucket full of the material than displace the so- solution with your hand than it is to try and build the hand up with the silicone or the alginate and then put the cast around it and then find a way to surgically remove the cast from the hand in a way that you still have two equal parts. So a lot of times that's where the bucket technique comes in. Just use a bucket. That'll sure use more material than if I were to paint it on my hand, but I know that it's already got a rigid support shell around all sides. I don't need the plaster. I don't need to find a way to cut my hand out of it, etc. Uh, and whereas when we get to faces, when we get to body, like full torsos, full bodies, we have no choice. We're going to have to support it. It's going to get heavy, uh, which brings me to another point. It's not enough just to support the cast. We need to support the model. Uh, if we're going to put a ton of weight on this patient and they're expected to stand up. And again, I keep saying patient, but that's habit. Uh, if we're going to keep putting tons of weight on the model, uh, we're going to have to support them as well. And in our presentation that we gave at Ghosts, I had pictures in there of kind of an example of a, a, scaffolding system, a scaffolding system that built up to the point that it held the guy in place as you're putting all the material and all this heavy stuff on so that he's not trying to move or reposition to get comfort. All of the weight is being lifted off of him, kind of like crutches under the armpit. The hands are held out to the side. 
uh, something's going to hold him front to back, et cetera. We need to make sure that we're supporting the model and the mold. Otherwise, we're going to end up with a really crappy uh, product that comes out of it. What do you got to add to that, David? So, uh, no, just all, all really good, good stuff. Um, honestly, from there, when we talk about uh, live casting, it's kind of the next step is what do you do next? So what are you going to do with it? And that's when um, I talk about different, different things you're going to cast it in. So a lot of times when I'm doing live cast, I'm going to do a soft plaster cast from like a hydrostone or something like that. And I'm going to correct it, which basically that means um, taking all the air bubbles off, maybe fixing places that did not cast well, things like that. But then some people will do direct um, casting in silicone, plastics, and things like that. Well, my other very, very favorite thing is recasting. So uh, when I did the one of my wife's leg, uh, you know, I have a nice silicone cast that I can reuse, reuse, reuse. So what I'll do is I will take a uh, really good sculpting plaster. Uh, one brand that I like is by Monster Makers again, uh, which is called Monster Clay. Well, Monster Clay, you can actually put in a crock pot and heat up to a molten, which is very, very hot, be safe, but a molten sort of uh, temperature and pour it directly into your cast. And therefore, I have got a perfect copy of her leg, but then I can go ahead and sculpt injuries into it. I can make a closed femur fracture. I can make, um, you know, uh, diabetic ulcers. I can do things like that. And that's really what I love about, um, you know, the whole life casting because you can take and make your own task trainers. Uh, when I taught the class for the VA, that's, that's how I taught them life casting because whenever I try to teach, I try to teach it as far as um, fixing a solution. And their thing was they needed to be able to um, show what diabetic foot ulcers were for patients. So we, we showed them foot life casting, we showed them recasting. And after you've got your sculpted up diabetic foot ulcer, then what you're doing is you're gonna do another type of molding, but it's more traditional molding because you don't have to worry about a person's foot that's actually moving in there, that sort of thing. So, um, there, there's so many possibilities when you get into the idea of uh, casting, recasting, modifications, stuff like that. And along those points, we talked about the alginate versus silicone, and that's a really good example of where silicone may benefit you more because you could make, using on that clay, we could make three of those legs, just like copy paste, right? And that there, but I mean, we could basically run <laughs> uh, three, four, five different legs. And on each one of them, we could sculpt directly into the clay or on the clay with different injury patterns and then recast those as needed. Uh, rather than if we use alginate, we get one output and then we have to work with that one output over and try and work it over and over again. And which may, you know, maybe you do something like an UltraCal and then you put your clay on that and cast off of it. You could do it, um, but definitely working with clays, if you're talking about like a monster clay, hand, leg, face, et cetera, and then carving directly into it, a silicone um, cast is a better option because you're gonna be able to run it over and over and over again and just make copies after copies you blow it, no big deal. All you gotta do is melt the monster clay back down and pour it back in, uh, which is, and that's another thing too. We haven't talked a whole lot about clay on our podcast, but when we start talking about monster clay, that stuff's amazing. They just, you can use it over and over and over again. You just heat it up, melt it down and pour it back into the container it came in. The next time you need it, you heat it up, pour it into whatever you need. Uh, and as long as you don't, you know, get infiltrates in it and get it nasty, then you could just keep using it over and over and over again. And it's absolutely worth the 30 bucks for five or six pounds of it, whatever you get now. Yeah, it's, it's great stuff. I love any sort of clay that you can heat up. And the other thing is, this is not a clay episode, but uh, the difference between a medium 
softness clay in the sculpting world and what you're traditionally used to going to one of the craft stores to get is uh, hugely different. I didn't understand when I first got into it, why do I need that clay? It's so much more expensive. I can just go to Michael's or Craft Supply USA or whatever it is and just get a medium clay over there. Uh, the biggest thing is when you're sculpting, you want a fairly rigid clay so that every time you move a tool or make a gouge, it doesn't distort largely. So um, the other thing is talking about casting, it's, it's actually inter interesting if you get into like the movie, um, you know, movie makeup and movie special effects stuff, they will do like a life cast, they will then do a correct, or they will do a pour in plaster, they will correct that, which basically means, you know, modify it however they want, take off, you know, things, add things to the plaster, then they'll re-life cast it in silicone, so then they can pour their monster clay in it and get a base from there. And I mean, just the amount of castings that you can get out of one piece or, or modifications or places, directions you can take something is just amazing. Sky's the limit. So now that we're talking about all this stuff and we've kind of laid down the base, the basis of what it is and what to use for what, and I know this is, this is very, very high level overview, right? We did a lot more than this in some of our classes. And of course we'll come back and talk about some of these in more detail. Uh, but basically, the, the next question is simply, how do you get started? Where do you start? Uh, and, and like I said, I think Alginate's the best choice. Um, but there's a few options as far as where you can go and find this material. Uh, the nice thing with Reynolds Advanced Materials, Monster Makers, Brick in the Yard, the companies we mention a lot of, those guys all work really well together. So you'll find Monster Maker material at both uh, Reynolds Advanced Material, and you'll find it at Brick in the Yard. Uh, and each of those companies, if you go to their websites, is going to have an alginate, is going to have clay, it's going to have whatever you're looking for. And they're all going to sell, they'll sell you silicone. The only one I don't know if Monster Maker sells a whole lot of silicone, but I know the other two do. And so what we did for our class that we taught a couple months ago is we started everybody off with what's just basically an introductory kit that was made by Reynolds. And in that kit was enough alginate to do a couple hand casts, as well as enough plaster to do one. Uh, and so if you blow one of the alginates, you have, you should have enough left over to do it over again. And so, yeah, hopefully. Uh, and so that, that was a great start. I want to say it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 bucks. So it's, it's relatively inexpensive. Uh, it'll give you enough material to do this once and just kind of get a feel for what you like. Uh, the other thing is if you know this is something you want to do, or you're willing to take a couple shots at it, I would just piece it together. Buy yourself a three pound bag of alginate. That'll get you, it, it, honestly, the three pound bag will cost you the same 30 bucks. It just won't come with the plaster. You'll have to buy something separate. Uh, and I prefer to play with silicone unless I need the plaster. I, I would much rather use something like FX Pro to pour into the alginate rather than uh, using plaster unless I need a hard model for something. Uh, just because I feel like in simulation, we more often than not, we're going to want that flexibility. We're going to want something that's more lifelike than a hard statue that's going to go on our desk. But, you know, to each his own, whatever you want to do with it, that's fine. Uh, and so looking about 25, 30 bucks, you should be able to buy enough material to just try this out. Looking around 50 to 100 bucks and you'll have enough material to run several tests and kind of get a better idea of nailing it down how you want to. Uh, and like I said, start with alginates uh, and the choice of what you actually make with it, whether you're making a silicone model or whether you're making a plaster or, or ultra cal or anything else, that is completely up to you. But I would start the molding and the casting process absolutely with alginate. And then once you get that down, start looking at something like a body double, 
uh, or even just any platinum silicone with the understanding that they're just not quite as clean. It'll still work just fine. I think all platinum silicones are going to be skin safe. I just don't like the feeling of being, I don't like the feeling left over on my hands after using like an FX Pro on my skin. Uh, and so just knowing that there's, there's a little bit of a difference there, but not, not a huge investment to get into life casting. Uh, and certainly not the learning curve that comes with trying to sculpt these things yourself. If I was going to try to sculpt a torso or a face or a hand, um, for one, I, I just know that I can't. I don't have that skill set. I can do wounds. I can do small stuff that's a little bit more detailed up close. I don't have it in me to break statues. I just don't have that ability to start carving stuff out. Uh, and so for me, life casting is kind of the short way, the shortcut to get to some of those. If you're great at sculpting, then by all means go that route. But this is the, definitely a faster, cheaper way to get into pumping out body parts very quickly. Yep. All great points. And then, like I said, I love taking it and then modifying it from there. So I did a trauma glove that um, is able to simulate amputated fingers and it just kind of slips on and um, for a moulage event and it very, very quickly meets the objectives of having the amputated fingers. And how I did that was several different life castings and modifications of those life castings and um, just going from there. And and really just starting to get experience with it, your mind will just start to expand and start to go, oh, but I can do this. And if I do this and I can do that, um, because, you know, that gloves are very, very hard. I learned by doing that glove. Um, but uh, it was several different life casts to get my core, to get the outside, to get capture as much detail of the fingertips as possible. Because, you know, like Will says, I'm not an awesome sculptor. I can point you to 15, but, um, you know, so I try to have as much of a base as I can, you know, take off of, you know, either a model or my own hands or as I can and go from there. So I'm a lot more successful that way. I figure why start from ground zero when I can start at the 10th floor. Well, I feel like that kind of wraps up what we were going to talk about today. So if that's, uh, that's kind of the initial get your feet wet, kind of get an idea of what life casting is, what's available to you. And then of course, as we, as we continue on, we'll come back and touch more of these in depth because there is a lot to know about just about every substance we talked about today. Uh, and there's a lot to know about the, the processes too. We can get in a little bit more about the actual support and building the um, scaffolding and everything else. And so we'll come back to those, but I hope this gets you enough information to decide if this is something you actually want to do. Uh, and if it is, of course, come back and check with us, email us, you know, send whatever, send us a text. Uh, and we'll answer questions you have about this too. So we, we do that quite often already. So that's kind of why we put this together. So Dave, unless you have anything else, I think we're good to go. Yeah, other than I'll just say that, yes, we want your interaction. Uh, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on LinkedIn and all those things. And, uh, you know, we've got uh, accounts on all those platforms and we want to get your interaction. So by all means, go ahead and follow us, share us, tell other people and, uh, you know, ask the questions, suggest uh, what you want to see and all that. We definitely want more interaction. So follow, 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 share. And if you feel like it, give us a review on the uh, Apple podcast app or whatever uh, place that you get your podcast from. All right. Thanks guys. Have a good night.